3: And on this episode, a charming convict is given a chance at freedom. All he has to do is convince a serial killer to tell him where he buried the bodies. We'll review the Apple original series, Blackbird. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Kevin, where are your anchor shorts? I miss them very much.
4: My anchor shorts? You yes. mean the shorts that have the little anchors
3: on them? Correct.
4: Oh, I think they're in the wash right now.
3: Uh, I really miss them very much. Well, you know
4: what to do when they're in the wash, Rebecca. Go do the wash, yes.
3: (laughs) That is so patriarchal, Kevin. I'm sorry you brought it up. I did. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet... Oh, my God. Imagine any new listener, by the way, who just heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Go make me a sandwich, woman. (laughs) Go take out the trash, Kevin. That's a man's job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, an author of Dead on Deadline and the forthcoming The Final Curtain,
2: Lara Bricker. Hello Lara. Hello, Rebecca. And big news. The final curtain is now available for pre-order through Ooh. Water Street Bookstore's online store. That's right. And they even have PayPal, but only after you fill out all of your name
3: and address information first, Yes, <laughs> Which you should have to do if you have PayPal.
2: Todd Tip for Water Street Bookstore. But yes, you should order it online. I just ordered mine today. Thank you. Thank you. And they will ship For free in the U.S., and they will ship anywhere else for a little bit of a charge. Totally worth it. Yes. Support their good hair, Dan with the good hair. And you're going to sign some copies, I guess? Yeah, all the ones that are ordered from the bookstore, I will personalize and sign. Yeah,
3: yeah. That's why Mm -hmm. why it's worth it, because you're going to write some stuff in there, draw some cat sketches...
2: I do have a cat stamp because my cat sketches are not very good. Yeah, don't add too much work for her, Rebecca. Oh no, I'm,
4: I'm just loading Rebecca's it. Rebecca's mouth is writing a check that Laura's writing hand <laughs>
2: cannot cash. No, I I was there for about six hours during the last book drawing cat sketches for people, so I've I brought it upon myself. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And finally, our Captain of All Things Cynical, the author of the City
3: Trilogy, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our very own Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hi, Rebecca. I, <laughs> I really enjoy
5: these times that we get to talk to each other.
4: <laughs> They're just stories, though.
3: <laughs> I'm really enjoying your burn sides, Toby.
5: Yeah, thanks. <laughs> They're very attractive. They're- some people call them sideburns, but that's not what they're really called. They're
4: <laughs> oh, my God. I'd like to have Bill Rankin interview uh, Larry, Larry Hall. Okay. Uh-oh. Would you? Uh-oh. Yeah. Hi, Larry. Man, those are some really long sideburns.
5: They're, they're burn sides, as I mentioned earlier.
4: <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't know that. Can you use it interchangeably? Kind of like well, those parts from the Dodge Ford and a Charger? Those Mopar well, in, parts, yeah.
5: In, in modern lingo, that, that, is, that is possible. But uh, if you want to be historically accurate, as I always strive to be, I would call them burnt sides. <laughs> I
4: like accuracy.
5: Oh my God. By yeah. the way,
4: where would you bury all them women?
3: Oh, <laughs> it I was just know. a
5: dream.
4: It was just a dream. <laughs>
5: Those are just stories I like to tell.
3: (laughs) Where
4: did you get so good at fixing
3: boilers? (laughs) Listen, I know we're going to talk about this, but I was telling someone at work today that they should watch the show. And she was like, yeah, I read about that case. And that seems really mishandled, like that whole case. And I was like, yeah, but that guy totally fucking did it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, you know me. I'm like, let everyone out if they got an unfair process. But that guy, man, do not let that guy out. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe they are just stories, but I'm. Completely creeped out about that
4: guy. Larry, mm-hmm. would you like to be on season
5: ten of Breakdown? <laughs> that that sure sounds like a real interesting possibility. Did you Just feel intimidated
4: him. by Greg Kinnear
5: <laughs> with all of his big Daily Show energy? His nice shoes and such. <laughs>
3: <laughs> did you guys plan this in advance? No. All right. Yeah. No, know, totally. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right, Kevin, before It's we...
4: completely amateur improv session <laughs> here.
3: Exactly. I you guys, yes and the fuck out of it. I really enjoyed it. All right, so, Kevin, before we start yeah. our review, which maybe we just did, uh, this, is, of course, is- <laughs> Uh, the summer of weekly shows instead of twice weekly shows, which were like almost coming up to That's the end That's better of. than last
4: year. We Correct. were weekly, weekly now. But we're yeah. almost
3: coming up to the end of it, right? Because at the end of August, we are going to go back to twice weekly shows, which I'm sure our audience is just yeah,
4: after Labor Day, we'll thrilled be, about.
3: Yeah. Um, what is coming up on next Monday's show?
4: Uh, we're going to be talking about Trainwreck, mm. Woodstock 99. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, I didn't know what to say just then. Is that awkward?
4: It sounded it sounded a little unnatural.
3: Alright, okay. Well, um, I think that we've maybe like a teased tonight's review <laughs> enough, so I think we should just get started. What do you guys think? I think we should do it. I'm gonna go ahead and drop that first clip right now. We would like you to transfer to another prison and befriend someone to elicit a confession.
5: We need the precise location of a dead body. You need we suspect that the man that you read about that file has killed 14 women, maybe more, but we only tied him to two and we only have one of
3: the bodies. We'd like to find the other one and maybe 12 more. Jimmy Keene is offered a get out of jail card if he can provide the FBI evidence against a serial killer. Larry Hall is poised to leave prison on appeal. Questions remain about his interrogation and whether the things he said were true or false.
5: In my dreams, I... in in my dreams I like kill women you know sure they're just dreams tell me more
3: Keen draws in the psychopath delving deeper into a serial killer's mind but Hall's habit of false confessions leaves it unclear whether there's anything to learn before he is released
0: so so that throws all this in doubt no it doesn't
3: if something were to happen, even he here, and he's not our
4: guy. He's our fucking guy. I can't think any other way. I absolutely fucking cannot. He's our guy.
3: Taron Egerton and Paul Walter Hauser star in the Apple original series Blackbird. Inspired by true events, Keen must survive a violent prison, dangerous inmates, and ruthless guards, all while trying to befriend Hall and expose his secrets spoiler alert we are going to be talking about significant points from blackbird so if you want to remain spoiler free go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews now laura you really enjoyed the performances in this
2: program do you want to uh, call out any performances in particular Um, Well, I'm going to say just based on our intro, I'm going to say that Paul Walter Hauser's performance as Larry Hall was amazing. Absolutely fucking amazing. As Toby alluded to in our opening here, he just nailed it and he managed to not only look creepy as fuck with his burn sides and this sort of expression that he was doing and the voice and everything, but he was like sympathetic, terrifying, awkward he like this character was so nuanced. I mean, even as he's eating and he's like eating like the centers out the piece of his bread and like it just everything about the character just brought it to life in such a way that you could see how in real life this case was probably very difficult. But in this particular portrayal for me, I couldn't help but watch these scenes and be so impressed by the level of acting that he was bringing to this. And, you know, it's it's disturbing. And even when he's talking about the disturbing things, but he goes from being kind of sympathetic to kind of always having this sort of simmering undercurrent of creepy as fuck to then when that comes out and he starts finally bragging and sharing all of the details of the crimes with his new best friend, Jimmy, just freaking terrifying but it's almost like he became Larry Hall in this character
5: I soak a rag in starter fluid and put it in a mason jar in my van if he put it over a person's face
3: they're out in seconds nothing to it Laura, I will tell you, I spent a lot of time after watching this delving deep into the true story behind this. Me and too. one thing I was really surprised to learn was how closely the true story actually tracked with this very dramatic TV show, which seemed to me like it must have been very dramatized for TV. And it was surprisingly not dramatized for TV. The things they added were they overdramatized the female FBI agent. Yeah, she had a very small role in real life, and they like blow blew up her character for the show. Don't approach Hall too early, or he'll know we sent you for him. Are you? Besides the warden and Doctor Zickerman, I'm your only other safety
1: line. When I visit, you treat me like your girlfriend. Slip me tongue, grab my ass,
3: whatever.
0: Grab your ass.
3: Yes, cop a feel. Do what it takes. And that was about it. Almost everything else that happened in the series actually happened. The destruction of the map at the end happened in a different way. But almost everything else that we saw actually happened, which really shocked me. Kevin, would you be surprised to learn that like many of the details that we saw in this series that seem like you know, at the last minute, him having a blow up at his friend, yeah. and, like being thrown into solitary, that couldn't have happened. Would you, would you be surprised to learn that many of the details in this were actually true to life? Like, for instance, the psychiatrist actually did go on vacation <laughs> and screw up all that. Is that surprising to you to know that well, uh, how true it tracks?
4: I, I mean, uh, only because we have watched so much stuff that is based on a true story that the liberties taken with them, you know, often sort of, you know, lean into the dramatic narrative. and that this had plenty of natural drama in it already, that they didn't feel like there was a lot they needed to do, I'd say maybe I was a little surprised, yeah, but, you know, in a good way, that they didn't have to, you know, contrive too much. I really thought, like, for example, Jimmy's story, like, as it is, really follows the classic hero's journey, you know, the Joseph Campbell idea of, you know, the hero he starts off in the ordinary world. He's approached by a powerful figure with a quest, and at first he refuses the call to action, and then he heeds the call, and then he crosses the threshold into the underworld where he faces his own trials. He fights through an ordeal, uh, and then he succeeds at the quest, and he returns to the ordinary world purified you know, with the power of knowledge that he journeyed for. This is the same as Frodo and Luke Skywalker and King Arthur, and these are all the journeys that you know, great heroes through Western civilization and the great pieces of literature have taken. And so in a ways, a lot of times when we go on a journey, a lot of these boxes get ticked, and it really does in in this story.
3: Yeah, so he also looked super hot while doing it, which I know I think that Toby hates it when I talk about. (laughs) Uh, So Toby is raising his hand voraciously, because his notes, by the way, vary quite differently from yours. Toby, what is it that you are dying to say right now?
6: I was just going to say that I'm not, I wasn't surprised at all to hear you say that because I kind of guessed it because there's so much stuff in the show that goes nowhere and means nothing and all I could think of was this must have actually happened and that's why they're putting it in there because like for instance there's this whole it's not even a subplot it's just this thing that happens with Vincent the Chin Giganti
1: but I like you kid you got manners I like that. So don't fuck up. And you're going to do pleasant time. Sounds good, Mr. Gigante.
6: And it just goes nowhere. Yep. You know, it's like a slight bit of tension. But, you know, there's five minutes worth of scenes with no payoff. There's a scene where he's taken to see this new psychiatrist. And as he's being walked through the prison everybody's staring at him. And then after that, everybody like stares at him and like, you know, looking at him suspiciously and whispering about him and stuff, but nothing ever happens. You know, it's just a complete distraction. It doesn't affect him in the slightest, although it might make him a little bit nervous, but it's just an absolute add on that doesn't have anything to do with the main plot. And the only way that made any sense is if they're trying to stick to the story as it actually was and be like, well, he was probably stressed about this. He was probably stressed about this. This other stuff was going on because if you were just making that from scratch, you'd be like, you know, why do you even have this? This is, this doesn't add anything. Yeah. It's we're spending minutes on this and you wonder if it's going to happen and no, there's no payoff and you don't even reference it afterwards. It's just drops. And I thought there were several things like that. And my assumption was that they were based on reality but as far as being in a, in a television series, it just didn't work, right? Mm-hmm. And they just got dropped and it was just loose ends. It was one of those things where I think they could have taken a little dramatic license and either made those things a little more significant or just taken them out altogether because in the end, they don't, they don't matter in the slightest.
3: Like, do you get the sense that maybe the real life Jimmy Keen was like, you have to include this because it's a cool detail that I care about and it really happened?
6: Potentially, like the chin, like I was in good with the chin, like yeah, I could really see happened. where that would be cool. Yep. Or I was like kind of freaked out because people were staring at me. But does that make it the show better? I, I think it detracts from the main storyline to know, like I, I just know if I'd written that into a novel, my editors would have been like, you got to take that out. Like that's mm. that's just superfluous. It doesn't move the story along. It doesn't reveal anything about character. There's nothing. It's just it's just things you're using up time to tell these little side stories that aren't that interesting.
3: Hmm. Well, we can talk about our disagreements about it later, Toby. Uh, so, Laura <laughs> <laughs> Bricker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yes, Rebecca. You have a comment, too, about Taron Egerton's performance. Now, Taron Egerton, we should say, has a really interesting and varied acting career before this. I would tell anyone who is in... Not even necessarily an Elton John fan, but anyone who's interested in any kind of like biopic about a musician who maybe thinks that that horrible Freddie Mercury movie should not have been an Oscar-winning *Bohemian movie. Rhapsody*. Yeah. yeah, they should a hundred percent watch *Rocket Man* because Taron Egerton's performance in that movie is astonishing he actually good. sings
4: he doesn't lip sync he actually or, yeah. sings
3: and it's it's just it's so freaking good and of course he was in those kingsman movies and he's also british and speaks fluent welsh and he just has like a very interesting like acting career and i thought he was fantastic in this and of course of course i kept tweeting about the fact that like from literally every angle I mean, mm-hmm. it's like distracting how from literally every angle he, he's like the most photogenic person in the world. Like, It kind of like it's hard to not. Mm-hmm. It's like that's different. I mean, it's almost like when you're in a prison and it's supposed to be like this gruff, gritty place. Yeah. Clearly, no. he's wearing a belt on a uniform. There would not be belts on uniforms. He's dressed very differently than everyone else in the prison. Um, it's a little bit distracting. Personally, I kind of
2: enjoyed it. What are your thoughts about Tarrant Edgerton in this? Yeah. I mean, I agree, Rebecca. It's like he had a tailor in the prison that was like customizing (laughs) his prison uniforms to fit him just perfectly. But, you know, I said he was so good looking. He was so smooth. He looked good in every scene. It was almost too much, which at times was like, does this distract from the show? Because like his hair is never out of place. And then I'm like, but actually when you step back, even though he was super nice to look at, I'm like, is this More of like what made him the right man for the job. But it's like he's almost too good to be true. He's like irresistible to everybody. He's like running his little porno business out of his prison cell. He's the football star. He's like always like working out. He's doing freaking push ups on his like jail, like freaking toilet in there at night. He's like, woof, woof, woof. He's doing like a million of them. And he, always looks perfect no matter how shitty everybody else looks even in the middle of a freaking prison riot. So, you know, he he was unnaturally good looking in this, but I tried to like even though it was nice to watch. I was like, okay, this is why he's so charismatic. This is why he's getting along with everybody. The part that I thought was a little bit over the top was like, you know, this whole like little sort of side flirtation with the FBI agent. I was like, come on now. Like, we know this isn't going anywhere and, you know, we have
3: to acknowledge, Toby, this is the first time you and I have ever texted while watching something about costuming. What were your thoughts about Taryn Edgerton's prison costuming in this
4: series?
6: <laughs> well, the only thing I could think of was that, I mean, he's really, he's trying to seduce Larry Hall. His costume is so bizarre for a prison costume. And the way he kind of poses all the time when he's talking to Larry, like he hangs out in a doorway and kind of uh, hips thrust forward, pipes like at full, like flex. It was strange. Is that um, for the men in the prison or for the
4: ladies at home?
6: <laughs> I I think it's a twofer in that Gotta case. Gotta tell
3: you, for me, it was all about the ladies at
6: home. <laughs> yeah, and I for Larry, I don't know what he was thinking about the whole thing, but it was yeah, it was it was another one of the many strange choices that were made in this
0: series. <laughs>
1: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best
3: match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. All right, so Kevin, it's time for you to do your business. Here we are in the business section. What have we got it going is. on, Kevin?
4: Well, right now on Patreon, we have the Crime Writers on After Show. We're going to be talking about Rebecca's favorite new book slash books. A pair of books that came together. It's all about the Zodiac. Yeah, I
3: don't even care about the Zodiac. And she swears
4: (laughs) that the author has figured out who the Zodiac killer is. I
3: swear he has. Yes. Even though there's a controversy on my Facebook page about whether or not it's true with the one and only Laura Miller. She's fighting with me about it. But I swear this guy has solved the Zodiac case. Kevin, what else is going on in our business section?
4: We've got the latest edition of Leave It to Bricker. Laura is talking with Will about his summer job and getting all the scoop. On what's happening at the local supermarket. The tea. Gets the tea, absolutely. Apparently, Will thinks that Lara has an army of spies (laughs) all around the town (laughs) checking up on him, and he's not wrong.
3: It's a bridge of spies. A bridge of
4: spies, yes. (laughs) Do you want to let people know that we are going to be having a Crime Writers On Meetup? In Dallas, Texas, on Friday, August 26th, we have some more details they will be coming out. If you want to know about it, you can just go to CrimeWritersOn.com and check all the socials, but we'll put information there about where and when. Okay. We've already had a lot of people saying, oh, I'm coming from this part of Texas that Kevin never heard of, and this part of Texas that Kevin never heard of. Okay.
3: Is Joanna from uh, uh, Fixed Rapper coming?
4: Uh, she has not responded Damn to it. my- Facebook invitation.
3: Damn it. She's not Aquamaning it to our Crime Writers on Meetup. By the way, I don't know anything about this Meetup. Is it planned?
4: Well, you know, that's why I'm not giving the information right now. <laughs> okay. We're going to put it in later. All right. Okay? Cool. All
3: right. So, Kevin, before we end the business section, do we have any Patreon Patron Saints of the week this week?
4: Our Patreon Patron Saints are Sean Caniff and Lori Ann Perkins. Bless you.
3: Bless you, Sean and Lori, and thank you for supporting us. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this business section with so much patience and listening to our podcast. And thus ends... Thus ends... The the Business business section.
1: Section.
3: So, Kevin, we have to talk about Ray Liotta. This was I believe RIP Raleigh. This I believe was his final one
4: of his final on-screen
3: yeah. performances before he died and obviously they acknowledge it halfway through the series with the card that comes up. And I think it's incredibly sad to see him in anything right now, but there is this sort of like uh Jimmy Hall, you know, dad storyline, but sort of like the father-son generational trauma thing is a thread in this story, the way they try to tell it. And they even try to tell it through the victim story mm-hmm. near the end with the girl. And she says, you know, when I was a kid, we did this and this and this. Do you think that worked in the storytelling here? I'm just, I'm curious because it was a big thread and let Ray Liotta bring in this powerhouse actor to play Jimmy Keene's dad. You know, it's, it's a big swing bringing in Ray Liotta to do that kind of role. I'm just curious about your thoughts about that.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, he was a good pick. Uh, it reminded me of, uh, he was in, the uh, I think it's the Saints of Newark or whatever the the Sopranos movie was recently, where he played a guy in prison, and so to see him in the prison visitors room kind of brought that back. He certainly brought some gravitas to this cast as a, a veteran actor, and he had to play the elderly father very well.
5: My mind,
6: the parts that they, they, they're not connecting.
1: I fucked you up. I fucked up. It'll be fine. No. It won't.
4: And I you know, I just sort of think in general that the idea of like our past sort of the nature versus nurture uh idea of who are we and who do we become, how do we get that way? We got to see a little bit of that with Larry and his father taking him to dig graves. While, you know, first we think we see a story of Jimmy and Big Jim. You know, like here's a dad who will come home and, you know, throw the football around and it's that kind of relationship. But as we go along through the series, we find out it's not that kind of relationship. That does happen and that's great. But for most of the time, he's just not home. And then there's, you know, fighting and then there's a divorce and then it's even worse with the stepdad or mom's boyfriend or whatever. Oh,
3: my God. Those scenes.
4: Yeah. So, yeah, there is a lot of, you know, trauma adult to children and, uh, you know, and that you carry those scars with you. I think that's one of the themes of the of the series.
3: That was like that was so painful. The mom's abusive boyfriend and Mm -hmm. her like not letting him you know, maybe when you're bigger, you'll be able to beat him up scene. Oh, my God. Broke my freaking heart. Laura Bricker. We also have some pretty gruesome grave digging middle of the night scenes going on with grave robbing, including spoiler alert for those who don't fast forward to this. Uh, cutting off a guy's fingers with a hedge clipper to steal a ring. Um, yeah, he's uh,
4: dead. He doesn't need the finger.
3: <laughs> doesn't need the ring yeah. either, to be honest. What were your thoughts about sort of that familial storyline?
2: I mean, if ever there was a childhood that could set somebody up with perfect training to become a serial killer, that was clearly it. Mm -hmm. I guess for me, you see like glimpses of the little boy there who's being forced to do these things and the way that the adult character of Larry was played. Occasionally, you still did see that little boy who was maybe like, I'm not so sure about what I'm doing, but it was pretty awful. And then, you know, you have the storyline of, that the hot brother um he became hot, hot cuz well ish. Hot, well compared to hot Mr. Horner's the two twins yeah but it was like like he like fed off of him or whatever yes. and so that's why he was better looking and i was like so there was a lot of really fucked up stuff in larry hall's childhood but particularly speaking of grave diggers in larry's family i mean that final scene where we have the two investigators who finally talk to the brother after hemming and hawing about, do you have a warrant? Sits down with a beer and tells him this horrible story about the tent and the rape. But he kept that secret. Yes. And participated that he didn't say. also. Yes. That again was, it's like this, this guy is being set up, not only set up, but like he's getting away with things and just becoming more emboldened in what he's doing. And it all begins with that early. Childhood training down in the grave where they're like, push a little harder and get that finger off, you know, I got to think being a
4: grave digger is a serial killer superpower, Laura.
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's why he was able to go around and bury them all over the place, you know, in multiple states that he didn't kill them in.
3: I have to tell you, I had so many fears going into this. Okay. Before I knew how closely it tracked with the true story, I was like, okay, is this going to be a story about like a developmentally disabled person who of course he's a serial killer? Is it going to be a person about a poor person who's like, of course he's a serial killer? Is it going to be a person who's like group in a cemetery, so of course he's a serial killer, right? And then you find out how closely it tracks with reality and you're like, no, this is a person who's a victim of like a horrible childhood and the circumstances are like a perfect storm. The twin thing... The in utero twin thing, I, A, looked it up, but B, I actually also know somebody who is a parent of a surviving twin that this happened to in a very extreme circumstance, not where both twins survived, but one in which it was caught very early. It was It's crazy. But the idea that like you could have two brothers being born and that one would live his whole life in the shadow of the one that is in many ways, like carrying around what he could have been. Like it's, it's, <laughs> and then you see, by the way, that Gary is no prize. <laughs>
2: well, at first I have to say, I looked at him and I was like, wait a minute, is Taron Edgerton playing two roles? And I had to like a couple of times, I'm like, did they just like grow his hair out for this role? And he's also playing the brother. Cause there was a little bit of similarity there hmm. in a scruffy way.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Toby, what did you think about sort of that? Because it does seem like a very bad true detective plot line, right? Boys growing up in utero. One of them sucks the other ones like lifeblood out of them. Grows up with a healthy, beautiful mullet. Uh, <laughs> does a better job assaulting the girl than his brother does, grows up being able to drink a whole six-pack, and ultimately gets his other brother to confess to a bunch of murders that he ends up recanting. Like, it is so dark and gothic. Um, I actually found some of the Gary stuff to be some of the most interesting stuff in this series, personally. I mean, am I crazy for thinking that?
6: Um, Yeah, I mean, it was kind of interesting. It, it seemed like it was... That plot line, I think, could have been expanded and they could have taken out Vincent the Chin or something. It's there, but it's not like a big thing. It mostly comes in at the end and there's little dribs and drabs of it other places. So yeah, it's interesting. I, You know, another thing I thought was kind of interesting is at the end, where usually they show like all the pictures of all the characters, they just show the two, right? Mm. So that was another thing that kind of... I was like, so who who's real here and who isn't. And is that the whole thing with the twin, which I I guess from your reading was true. Yep. So in that case, I I guess that, that makes it fine, but it's, it's pretty on the mark for what you'd expect in sort of a kind of like an eighties or nineties style suspense film just played out at like three times the normal length or twice the normal length. Right. Um, And that's the kind of thing that you would have seen back then, I think before, people started to find that objectionable. All
3: right, so Kevin, you have feelings about Greg Kinnear?
4: Well, look, I'm always usually kind of like you know hot or cold up or down on him on, depending because uh, he yeah, he sometimes has sort of that like smarty I'm smarter than you kind of thing that only a Kevin Flynn can do and but I think he does a good job on this. and I think one of the more symbolic scenes that he has is like he's like doing the telephone calls and the window stuck so he gets out his toolkit and goes on and just for no other reason. He just goes and fixes the window. Maybe
3: for no reason, his window was broken. He had to fix it.
4: Right, but why do they show you that? Because it's they showing like he's a guy who's gonna like take a problem and he's gonna fix it, right? And so it's just it's a small thing there, but instead of just having him like eating a slice of pizza or spilling coffee on himself, they show a little something about his character, or at least what they want you know you to believe the character to be. I don't know if Miller is an actual. Or a composite. Okay. Well, in any event, I thought that, you you know, this was a role that I liked Greg Kinnear in. And, and, uh, you know, he came off as very believable.
3: Why do we always have to have Lara a blown up version of a female protagonist to go Uh, with the male? That's the thing that makes me crazy. I'm saying like if, if there was, by the way, a female FBI agent who was involved in this case, who did go into the prison and pretended to be. Jimmy's girlfriend and kissed him apparently in did the he get tongue night.
4: and all the other stuff did, that did she he grab her do? ass yeah yes
3: apparently <sighs> there was like an intimate thing and she was like a handler but she was not as involved sounds in like he well, sounds was like
4: a handler was like, <laughs> yeah, <right>. yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: yeah she was not she was not as involved like from start to finish she was sort of a you know his, his main handler was the prosecutor who was
4: who fucked him yeah
3: and the Greg Kinnear character Miller so those were his main people but this character was blown up and also made to be a super hottie by this production. There always needs to be like, it was like Miller needed to have someone to talk with in the, design, in the diner while they were eating burgers. And then of course, Jimmy needed to have somebody to have chemistry with. That, that's annoying to me. Like those scenes could have been done with a man, right? They didn't have to be sexy, right?
2: Yeah, well, it's like, let's look at the women that are in this show. So we've got her, like super hot, sexy FBI agent. We've got... All the super hot, sexy women that Jimmy is having sex with or mm-hmm. remembering having sex with. There's like just like no normal women in this. And I feel like it's like, can we not just have an FBI agent who's a good agent without having to be hot and be a sex object in this particular storyline? No, apparently not. We can't. Not. Laura. We can't Laura. Yeah. yeah.
6: I, I couldn't figure out, like, is she trying to fake an accent or It's tough.
3: She's not super great in this compared to everybody else. Let's be real. You you got a bunch of top-notch people and this poor lady who was filling in this composite character. I actually felt very, very bad. I feel like they created a character and this actress who I'm sure is a great actress in other things was not given great material to work with. So I'm not going to blame it on her. I'm going to blame it on the writing.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast.
1: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with
3: Treadwell by Discount Tire. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Blackbird? It is a series on Apple TV+. It is based on the true story of Jimmy Keene. Laura Brooker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Blackbird.
2: Uh, this is a thumbs up. I actually was surprised that I liked this as much as I did because it was like, OK, this is, you know, kind of a typical true crime story in, in terms of somebody going in jail, befriending someone, getting information. But I think the casting in it was just so well done. And and just the pacing, I felt like a little bit of a true detective slash mind hunter sort of vibe as I was watching it. And the performance of Larry Hall, the accused killer in this, was just so amazing and so well done that that alone is reason to watch this. But it was also really interesting because, you know, it's a true case. And of course, afterwards, I went and looked up the whole true case to see what really happened. And that that was also very interesting. So I would say a big thumbs up. Toby Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Blackbird?
6: I'm a mild thumbs up. The setup is really good, I think, and it's very sort of reminiscent of stuff from like 20 or 30 years ago. And the actors, with just a couple of exceptions, are all excellent, I thought. It's not very tight, I would say. I I think there's a lot of sort of dead ends in it, and not dead ends in a way that are kind of like red herrings, just dead ends in that they just like little things that don't go anywhere. So that's kind of what keeps it from being like a more enthusiastic thumbs up. I just thought there was a fair amount of flab. And I think there's probably some stuff that they could have explored with that time that would have been more interesting or even just made it a little bit shorter. But that all said, you know, it's good entertainment. Yeah, it's a it's it's a mild thumbs up.
4: Kevin Flynn. I'm going thumbs up. Not since in Mindhunter when Ed Kemper talked about fucking a dead woman's neck. (laughs) Have I... Been so enthralled.
3: <laughs> way to make it super <laughs> weird. Serial real fast. killer. Oh my god. Uh,
4: yeah. So I thought that Paul Walter Hauser's portrayal of of Larry Hall here is fantastic. And uh Taryn Edgerton, by the way, the most interesting thing that I learned is that Taron Edgerton and Paul Walter Hauser are now like best buddies. BFFs. Like BFFs. And the Instagrams they, are great. Yeah, yeah. They seem like real too, uh, like an odd couple, but they really have an affection for each other. This is a really good psychological thriller based on true events, and I, I did enjoy uh, the journey, this redemption story for this convict. Uh, at times, yeah, I think things might have felt contrived, even though in real life they weren't, but this is well worth the trip.
3: Yeah, I have to agree with you, Kevin. While I, in theory, agree with some of Toby Ball's critiques, I had such a good time watching this. I really loved it. It was very mind-huntery in Mm -hmm. that way. It was incredibly entertaining, in no small part because of the performances. I will say one thing viewers should know if they have not watched it, the first episode does have an incredibly suspenseful scene of the type that's very hard for me to watch. And I just want to let you know that it's like one of those scenes where like you don't know what the like a Joe Pesci-ish scene that's like kind of violent. The whole series is not like that. So if you have a hard time with the first episode and you think the whole thing is going to be like that where there's like a madman who can do something violent at any second, like the whole series is not like that. It's a
4: non-violent serial no, killer show. No, it's story.
3: not non-violent, but it's not as suspenseful as like that first half of the first episode. So don't be too afraid. I actually really loved watching this. I was incredibly entertained by it. Taryn Edgerton is a freaking delight and i don't know i was more entertained by this than i felt like i had any right to be and i've been telling people to watch it which to me indicates that i should give it a pretty strong thumbs up so yeah i'm a like enthusiastic fan of blackbird and if i didn't know word it were a true story i should say i would say that i'm looking forward to season, season two,
4: two. <laughs>
3: oh. Look at Toby shaking his head at me. Toby's like, um, got his guns out because he's going to be pathetic. in season
4: two. It's like the blacklist; he keep sending him back into prison. My,
3: by the way, my prevailing theory is that Toby's just extremely jealous of Taron Edgerton's handsomeness, and I actually texted yes. him that. It's not the first time he's heard me say it. All right, well, you've got
6: Taron Edgerton's texts. <laughs> <laughs>
2: ooh, ooh! I do not. We're oh, going to have God. a long discussion. This, room, but you if know what? Only. When Toby came to my book signing last year, remember my friend who kept saying, "Toby Ball is so handsome. Yeah. Toby Ball is so tall." He's so, fine. He's it's fine. It's okay, Toby. I mean, if, all, Toby's if only like, he oh, spoke fluent Welsh. Yeah. Yeah. I need to friend like, is
6: eighty three, so roll up my sleeves and like jack my pants up.
3: And be the only <laughs> and be the only inmate in a prison is allowed to wear a belt, which we yes. all know is yeah. not allowed in a prison. Hey.
6: He
4: needs two belts to strangle the victims. We found that out. That's, One yeah. belt's not going to do it. Yep.
3: All right. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime, crime of, of the week. The week. An Alabama reporter was briefly barred from witnessing an execution after a prison official told her her skirt was too short. Ivana Heron-Q said she'd worn that very skirt to other executions and it hadn't been a problem. She pulled it down around her hips to lower the hemline, but that wasn't good enough for the prison. Heron Q borrowed a pair of fisherman's waders from a photographer to cover her legs. That satisfied the official, but then he said her open-toed shoes were, quote, too revealing. She went to her car to get a pair of sneakers. To be sure, there are a few things more somber or, in my opinion, more unjust or more unconstitutional or more wrong than carrying out the death penalty. And it should say something about capital punishment in Alabama that this reporter had been to so many executions that she has a designated execution skirt. But for God's sake, can there be one fucking situation in which a man isn't commenting on a professional woman's body or her clothing? Because Lord knows it's much more dignified to be dressed in rubber pants and tennis shoes than it is to sex up the death chamber with a thigh gap or a glimpse of toenail polish. <laughs> Ultimately, her and Q got the last word, providing the critical eye to the corrections department. Because they were present to gather the information, she and her colleagues grilled officials as to why the execution was delayed for three hours because of problems with intravenous lines. So panel, it looks like short skirts are out. What should be part of the new dress code for death row? Lara Bricker, what do you think?
2: Under his eye, red Handmaid's tail, complete top to bottom outfit. Because I mean, clearly that's what we're heading towards here. Yeah. Sounds about appropriate. Either that or a space suit. Toby
3: Ball, what do you think should be part of the new dress code for Death Row?
6: Uh, I can't really top the uh, Handmaid's Tale thing. I think that's right on.
3: (laughs) Kevin Flynn, what do you think?
6: Well, obviously,
4: it's going to be my shorts with the anchors on them that you like so much.
3: Yeah, clearly that's the (laughs) case. Um, But I think the new dress code for Death Row should be no dress code for Death Row, because I don't think there should be a Death Row. All right, so that's what What are you going to say, Toby. I just,
6: how can they... How can they have trouble with the IV lines? Like, do they ever have that issue at doc at hospitals and stuff? I, I don't understand. There's always
4: problems going wrong with executions, which is why you have reporters there for transparency, but they don't even tell them stuff. Like, they just they're very vague about
6: like what actually happened.
3: Can you imagine telling a woman that she's dressed in too revealing a way for a fucking execution? Where
6: you're gonna kill somebody?
3: We're going to be murdering. Somebody.
2: Well, I can tell you when I was still at the public defender's office and we would have visits at the state prison, they were very strict. strict oh, no, about I know. the I Oh, I've been. to It the was state ridiculous prison. for the attorneys that were going in there and representatives of the attorneys. And Laura, it was like
3: I my first visit to the state prison for the first interview I wrote for our first book I was wearing. I shit you not a sweater my sister gave me that was cashmere sweater, probably very expensive because she's from New York. High-necked with a tiny hood, and you were not allowed to wear a hooded garment because it was quote gang affiliated. So I had to go to my friend's apartment that was near the prison to borrow like a turtleneck because my cashmere hooded sweater Mm -hmm. could have a gang affiliation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. You don't want to
4: wear something too sexy. You wouldn't want to give a dead a dying man a boner, and then you don't want the blood going (laughs) all to his dick instead of his head.
3: You don't know, you know, you know, want the guys injecting the intravenous drugs to make a mistake. Yeah. Not be able to find a vein. All right. We, that should probably do it for us. I'm sorry for all of you like folks who really believe in uh, botched executions for the having to listen to us there. Before we go, Lara Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week?
2: Oh, we have the best thing ever this week. Patrick the Pony. Oh my God, I love a pony. He is the mayor of Cockington, a small English village. This was brought to my attention by Rachel Bennett, one of our listeners in London, who was like, you should check out Patrick the Mayor. He is a four-year-old Shetland pony. He has well-combed bangs, and he's been meeting with his constituents in a pen outside the local pub. However, He's only been in office for a short time, less than two weeks, in fact. And people are trying to take his office away from him. Don't do it, Cockington residents. His supporters are convinced that this was designed to take him down, possibly by a human who wants to be the mayor. Huh. A mayor. This picture is just absolutely adorable. I can't even, like, stand. By the way, it... It sounds like Cockington deserves this if they elected Patrick
3: the horse pony. Patrick the pony. To be their mayor. All right, Lara Bricker, if folks want to nominate any kind of animal, literally, in any kind of public office or not, to be cat of the week, how can they find you on Twitter? Of course, you can email us at crimewriterson at gmail.com or put it on any of our social media. But of course, you can tweet to Lara or just check out all of her amazing adventures. How can they find you on Twitter? I am at Lara Bricker, and tell you what, well, folks want to reach out to you and make you feel better about your jealousy of Taryn Edgerton. How can they find you on Twitter?
5: Um, I, I'm normally found um,
3: uh, <laughs> at Toby Ball NH. Oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> Kevin Flynn, how can people find you?
4: I'm at Kevin P. Flynn.
3: And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoie. Follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On and please join our incredible community that's still growing, by the way. Lots of people joining every day. Our incredible Crime Writers on Facebook group. Just go find us on Facebook and then hit join the group. We'll let you in if you're a nice. Person Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll get so much extra content. You won't know what to do with it. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the incredible Olivia Burdett. The executive producer is sitting right next to me. His name is Kevin Flynn. Me. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C at the closet in our New Hampshire basement where Kevin does keep all of his Civil War reenactment uniforms. Not for
4: reenactments anymore. He
3: represents the North on behalf yeah, of all blue. the crime writers. Thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Livy. this is business section one. <clears throat> Are you done Or
6: anything? A. Or A, yes.
3: Alright, so Kevin. He's
6: got COVID again. <laughs> oh no, really? Speaking of clearing your throat. Oh yeah, wow. He got it at a rave. All That's right, his own fucking ahead. fault. I know.
3: All right, so go Ken. ahead and
6: start now.
5: <laughs> <laughs> All right.